0: Good morning, everyone. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song.
1: All the worries of this world, I will lay them at your feet. Surrender every anxious thought. I hold dear, all my hopes and dreams and all my fears, I will choose to trust your name.
2: take you at your word jesus you have taken hold of me all my life is in your hands you Prince of Peace, perfect healer, all my life, all my cares on you, King of Kings, mighty Savior,
1: all All my life, life, all All my my cares cares on on you, Prince Prince of Peace.
0: Well, good morning once again, and we're so glad that you're worshiping with us, whether online or here in person. Welcome. And now, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I invite you to stand and worship along with us.
2: Who has the power to the dead, who can save us from our sin, he is our hope, our righteousness, Jesus, only Jesus, who can make the blind to see, who holds the keys that set us free it all to bring us peace Jesus oh. Holy Jesus i
0: Amen. Please be seated.
3: Good morning, church. Uh, It's good to see everyone. And for those of you online, uh, we're glad to have you joining us as well. My name is Gary Mark Fleur, uh, one of the elders here, and I'm going to lead us in prayer at this time. Dear Father, in, in this season of Thanksgiving, we thank you for the many ways you have provided for this church for more than 100 years. We thank you for refreshing our souls every Sunday through pastors and worship leaders who faithfully point us back to the cross in the preaching of the word and vibrant expressions of worship. We thank you for the many volunteers serving as nursery attendants, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders and cadet and gem counselors who raise up the next generation. We thank you for our dana- dynamic partnerships with organizations like the Holland Deacons Conference, Mission de Reyes, and Neighbors Plus, which remind us that you have placed us in this community to be salt and light to the neighbors in the surrounding neighborhoods. Father, I ask that you bless Heart Awake Ministries and enlarge our borders, and that your hand might be with us and that you would keep us from hurt and harm. Walk closely with our church leadership as they seek to align the mission and vision of this place in thought, word, and deed. Lord, we also lift up the church worldwide. Be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in Israel, Palestine, Iran, Iraq, in other hot spots where the local church or parish may be the only place where the members of those communities see any form of hope or love. And within our own church family, Lord, we lift up Brian Stoffer, uh, who had extensive shoulder surgery this past week. We extend our sympathy to Tim and Jody Garrett's and family with the passing of Tim's sister, Kathy Lambers. We think of Nancy Beagle with the passing of her brother-in-law, Dave Beagle. We extend our sympathy to Tom and Sue Stegangon family as they mourn the passing of Sue's father, Harvey Havercamp. We lift up Prep and Don Crock with the death of Prep's brother, Robert Krocht. And we also pray for the people of Honduras and our missionaries, Jake and Rachel Kapan, as that country has endured yet another devastating hurricane. We rejoice this morning with Kim and Jane Gort for their granddaughter Chloe, who's making steady progress following a car accident last week. And Lord, we also extend our congratulations to Nate DeWitt and his family as he has sustained a classical exam on Thursday on his way to becoming a commissioned pastor for Hardaway. Father, we humbly thank you and ask all these things in your name. Amen. Then I just have a few announcements for you this morning. Uh, We will be celebrating communion later in the service. And for those of you watching online or tape delay, uh, we encourage you to gather your communion elements which will follow the message. Uh, You received a notification this week about some new orders from the Michigan Department of Health. And uh, we are suspending our nursery and children's ministry across campus through the end of 2020. Uh, but please note that our doors will remain open and that we will continue worship service and times until instructed otherwise. And finally, on behalf of the staff and council, we just want to thank you for your encouragement and prayers as we navigate COVID together. Uh, this has not been an easy process, and despite the disruptions in our personal lives and in the ministry of Hardaway, Your faithfulness and strong financial support has been an inspiration and a testimony to all of us in leadership at Hardaway. Thank you. And today we welcome Pastor Bill, who's gonna bring the message.
4: Thank you, Gary. And good morning once again. I'm glad for these opportunities. couple of things I'd point to as well, our Thanksgiving Day service, which is a long tradition here at Hardawike, but we've already uh, worked out to get that produced and get it available online, so no one uh, has to gather that day. But. Um, do take time and find the right way to connect with that and be a part. Uh, We want to continue to build the body of Christ, to extend ministry. Uh, I'm telling folks in Celebration, where I usually live across the hall, that um, the way to invite someone to worship is to forward an email that lets them connect. Uh, online, This has now become r- a real typical way for folks to consider um, ministries and, and stuff like that. And so we can be a part of extending the kingdom, folks who are feeling disconnected. This is a way to help them connect with what God is doing here. And um, I know we can see folks being real careful. I'm very thankful for the hard work Hardawake has done to make this safe to gather, but nothing is more important than your wise decisions. And so folks with particular risks and particular needs and options um, stay home. That makes it easier for those of us here to distance. So we're navigating this together, and I can't think of another place I'd rather be in terms of doing that. And continuing to extend the ministry so let 's let 's work together i 'm so glad to be here next week you 'll get um pastor aaron i 'm going to preach at watershed, and aaron 'll do celebration and fusion, and that way we 're kind of mixing it up and between the two of us, you will be so glad when the search committees are found the right guy so uh, we 'll get to that won't we Well, we've been preaching through the book of Daniel. This is actually the uh, final sermon with that, and it's one large vision, but it covers three chapters. So I'm going to focus on three chapters, kind of hit highlights from that, obviously. There's more stuff on the sermon resources if you want to dig in, and it really is um, important stuff. It's fascinating. And I'll turn Stephen over to you. If you would... um, press the scripture. I'll read. Hear these selected verses that give us the gist of the three chapters, and then we'll dig in, all right? Now, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, Daniel who's called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs, like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice sounded like that of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such a terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and then sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I've now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up but trembling. Now from here, Daniel sees this vision play out in the spiritual realm. And then uh, chapter 11, there's a detailed uh, listing of the vision of future earthly conflicts among nations. Listen to this one verse. With flattery, he, the king of the south, will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Then in chapter 12, something new appears. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects his people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Further on, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And finally, as for you, and this is uh, Michael speaking to Daniel, as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Let's pray. Father even as Daniel was overwhelmed. So let this text press us deeply and beyond uh, our usual sensibilities. We thank you that after decades of faithfulness, Daniel sought you for three weeks of fasting and prayer. And as you made this vision known to him, he carefully recorded across centuries now. It's been preserved for us in these texts so that now we can open them as it were translate, study, meditate, and in this moment, Holy Spirit, I beseech you to illumine our hearts and minds, guard your people from me, but make Jesus present and powerful. We thank you for your grace and kindness, and we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's an interesting, long, detailed vision. I encourage you to go back and look at it. But I want you to make sure you pick up an important little note that it would be easy to pass over. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, now that's the usual way the writers of biblical literature literature place it in history. This is when it happened, the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. But as I was meditating through this, using the spiritual practice of Lectio Divino to kind of live into this text and get a sense of what was going on there, I was reminded of something. This is the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. But over a century earlier, Cyrus had been named. There's something very interesting. He's mentioned here in Daniel 10.1, but he's also mentioned by name, by Isaiah, in Isaiah 45.13. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or a reward, says the Lord God. Almighty, Now, let me tell you something. As best we can tell, and certainly on the face of it as presented, there's about 160 years between Daniel 10.1, the third year of Cyrus' reign, and when Isaiah may well have written. 160 years. A king is named. He will rebuild the city. He will bring my people back from exile. Huh? 160 years, and now Daniel, an aged man, fast and prays because he knows the king is named Cyrus. I want to give you some kind of historical context and setting of what this would have felt like. Imagine in American history, President John Adams, the year is 1800 for his first State of the Union. He speaks to the House and the Senate, all those high officials gathered, and he says, here's the State of our Union. I'm so thankful to be president of a nation that one day will be led by President John Kennedy, who will set our goal to send a man to the moon and have him return safely. Imagine. How much sense would that make to those folks? Not a bit. And they'd wait, and they'd wait, and wait. And then imagine a person born in 1880. They would have that in the history, but they would live 1880, 1890, 1900. And then towards the end of a long and fruitful life, 1960. And the president is the same one named by John Adams. That's kind of the the context of what's happening here. It's dramatic and challenging, so challenging that in some places they'll say, it can't happen, there must be a second Isaiah. That's what I was taught in college. I asked questions like, well, what's the evidence? We'll go on. There was none. We're challenged here to think this is a king named 160 years before it happened. It's like the space from John Adams to John Kennedy. This, friends, is like nothing we have ever seen before. And we need to let that sink in and grind us a bit if it is. We encounter here something that, as it presents itself, challenges our ability to control and to fit into our own minds. Cyrus, the Persian king, named and now present. You've got to imagine Daniel is pretty excited. Well, the first thing we see in the first of these three chapters, Daniel 10, is that there's more here than meets the eye. He saw this man like no man we've ever seen. Uh, You can read later on Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. What? He's seeing more than meets the eye. There is, as it were, a parallel battle. There are the events of history, but somehow there's something else going on as well. Centuries later, the apostle Paul would write in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the kings with their names in the newspaper, but it's against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's more going on. There's a a parallel battle of some sort. Boy, that almost raises more questions than it answers. It's like nothing we have ever seen before. Let it stretch you because that's what it presents it presents us with. Then Daniel chapter 11. This is a very, very long and challenging story. I've put some resources for you on the resources blog because it presents us with history before it happens. Now, when I taught this class as a professor in college, it's amazing I came here to Hardaway to work for Darwin. One of the first places he ever hired me was to teach Old Testament survey to freshmen at 8 a.m. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a student, there was not an 8 a.m. So here I am trying to draw freshmen into the Old Testament and see its excitement. At this particular station, by now it's November and they're thinking it's getting close to exams. I would read them a verse from Daniel chapter 11. Now then I tell you the truth, three more kings will arise in Persia and then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others. When he, was, when he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. That's the Bible. And they would go, yeah, is that on the test? And then you can up, open up any ancient history of the world and see that after Cyrus In 530 to 522 came a king, Cambyses, and then at 522, the short reign of Smerdis, and then Darius I, and then a fourth king named Xerxes, richer and more powerful than all the previous Persian kings. He invaded Greece. You've seen it in the movie 300 and the Battle of Thermopylae. Eventually he would be defeated at Salamis and retreated back to Persia. That's history. Now let's read the Bible again. I want to tell you chapter 11 is 45 verses of that, of statements that Daniel would have seen in probably the 600s and then things written before they happened. It's clear. In history, about 55 years after Daniel had the vision, things began to play out. I want to tell you, folks, these three chapters are like nothing we have ever seen before. They rock our sense of what's real and what's not real, of how much control we have over reality, how much we can press it into our ability to make sense to us. Again, I was taught, oh, had to be written afterwards because it can't happen. It can't happen. Do you have a text which is just Daniel 1 through 9? Oh, no. Do you have anybody referring to Daniel? Do you have anybody referring or writing about we added this? No, no. We just know you can't write history before it happens. Unless. And friends, as best I can tell you, here's where the real rub is. Unless there is a God who's moving history in his direction. If you once accept that, then maybe he could write history before it happens. If you can't accept that, you'll invent anything else. It's like nothing we've ever seen before, exactly. And then we get to chapter 12. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Sleep in the dust of the earth and awake? Friends, this sounds like the resurrection from the dead. And then he says to Daniel, as for you, go your way to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of your days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Whoa. Daniel had never seen anything like this before. Oh, there were stories about people who had died and were brought back to life, but they eventually died. No one had ever been dead and come back to new life that would never end. This was like nothing Daniel had ever seen. The whole vision is like that. But it's not that way with you or I, is it? When I talk about life, death, and rising to life anew that never ends, doesn't it bring to mind something that you and I know about? The cross. The Lord Jesus Christ. You see, look at our point in history. Daniel sees this in a vision. It hardly knows what to to make of it. The cross, Christ is crucified and rises. Now we in our time of history look back and we understand the vision of Daniel through the centrality of the cross. Daniel was looking forward to something yet to come that he could hardly understand. We look back to the central fulcrum of history, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have seen this before. And so when I see a God who will lay aside his glory, God the Son, take on human flesh so that he might take upon himself my my sin and give me his life— Then I go back to chapter 11 and say, that's a God who can move history wherever he wants. And I go back to chapter 10 and I said, oh yes, that God was at work in more than just the physical reality I see. When I read these three chapters, in light of what I know at the cross, suddenly I see God at work and I hear his glorious call to do great and mighty things in me, through me, in us, through us. Yes, the vision, we could spend an hour looking at the statements made before they happened, but we've seen what has happened. God himself would give his life for us. And he'd rise from the dead that we too might never fear death again. This is why the cross is so central to all that is with the Christian faith. It's the cross where Jesus died. It's the cross that we remember in the simple bread and the cup. He gave his life for us. We surrender our life to him. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you that in light of the cross, the world looks different. That we begin to see that uh, though I, I don't have a Clear answer for some of the suffering I see. That I see that suffering in light of a God who would take on my brokenness and offer me life. I know that no one I love suffers because you don't care, because you did, and I see it at the cross. I thank you that even when I'm nervous about what's going on in my world, I can look at the cross and understand that you are working out your history just like you did in Daniel 11. And so you can give me a peace that this world cannot give. And I know when I look at the cross that whatever evil is at work against me, that you are greater. And so I have a joy that the world can't give. Father, I thank you that you have reached into our life and we see it at the cross. We remember it now in the communion and we live in hope for the resurrection, not to our old life, but to a life even greater than we've ever known. Help us to live in every moment of this life in that hope. For we make our prayer in the marvelous and wonderful name of Jesus, amen and amen.
0: Amen. So here we are at the communion table once again. And one positive of taking communion in this different way is that we can actually take communion all at the same time. So I invite you to feel free to wait for a little while to the end so that we can partake together. So I actually have a question for all of us today as we come to the table. What is this table for you today? Is it a table of love poured out for us? Is it a table of grace for when we so often fall short? Is it a table of unity, unity across the world, unity across the great divides, unity across the centuries? Is it a table of remembrance, remembering Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection? Maybe it's a table of hope hope that we so desperately need. So of course this table is all of these things, but it's so easy to just move past quickly or get distracted and not fully pay attention to what this table is to be for us. So today let's pause and reflect before we pray once again. What is this table for you today? God, we come before you acknowledging that we are in need of grace that only you can provide. Thank you for the sacrifice and resurrection of your Son and for the tangible reminder that communion provides. In you we put our hope in Jesus' name. Amen. At the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. So whenever we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we are reminded that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And again, this table is for all who believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior and desire to live for him. So at this time, feel free to grab your cups. I'm cheating a little with easier opening method. (laughs) And let's take our wafer and partake together the body of Christ given for you. And when ready, the blood of Christ shed for you. thanks be to God. I invite you to stand and worship with us.
1: What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom. Bye.
0: Let's really let these words sink in the night.
1: The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he
2: will stay. I labor on
1: in weakness and
2: rejoicing. For in
1: my need, his power. shepherd will
2: defend me through the deepest valley he will lead oh the night has been won and i shall
1: future sure the price it has been paid for jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this i hold my sin has been defeated jesus now shames are released I I can sing. sing I am free yet not I but through Christ in me with every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said
2: Till I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold,
1: my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall. Still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me, yet not I, but through Christ in me.
4: I love those words. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated, yet not through I, but Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. Now receive the benediction of our God from the book of Romans. And now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Dismissed to the world with grace and peace. Be loved.
1: Every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will bring me home and day by day I know he will renew me until I stand before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat,
2: yet not I, but through Christ